Yo, what's going on with y'all? Money Gang J, North Carolina's own for Money Gang Pod. And as many of you all may know by now, Brooklyn rapper and native Pop Smoke was pronounced dead early this morning. It's just such a sad thing to see somebody that's had a full life ahead of them, 20 years old, and was um was pronounced dead like it's just so sad because he had a like a career ahead of him he was just starting to take off his fan base was rapidly growing day by day and it's just something crazy man wake up to this news of a young artist that i had that my eyes had so much promise and just you could tell that he was still hungry like and had a whole lot of growing to do and evolving so it's very sad. I mean, it was a invasion, home invasion slash robbery. And I see a lot of people trying to get their clicks and clout off of this. Talking about it, uh he posted his um he made a mistake and posted his uh his address in a Amiri bag, which had his address on it, and a lot of people think that is why he uh somebody broke into his house and shot him multiple times. And um, hours before that even happened, he had a party at his house in Beverly Hills, California. So it's just crazy, man. And it just goes to show, man, like the hate and jealousy in this world. People are willing to shoot and get try to gain clout and steal jewelry and do all of this. And it's just kind of fucked up, man, to know that he just moved out there and he died. I mean... And looking at his Instagram story, you see him loving loving life, got away from Brooklyn. And just for this to happen so very soon, before his career could really even kick off the way it was supposed to, it's just, it's just very sad. And I send my prayers and condolences to his family and friends, loved ones, all. And even the collaborators that he collaborated with so far. And it's just very much, it's just very sad. It's just very sad. I mean, you see guys like 50 Cent, Quavo showing their respect, Sue Surf, Nas. It's, it's just a bad day in hip hop because we knew he would be the guy of the 2020s to lead us to the next decade. So, especially coming from a historic place like New York and Brooklyn to be exact, it's just very crazy. How these guys, like how people work so hard to get to a certain point. You work so hard to get out of the, the Brooklyn hoods and all this. Then you can't even move. You can't even isolate yourself away from that without having a problem on the West Coast, man. And and you know how West Coast politics is. I mean, you know, gang banging plays a big role in this, but not actually in this case. But a lot of shit that goes on, I think they view everybody as an out-of-town nigga from New York or whatever get you and so that's just what it is and like I said before you never really know what type of news you could wake up to who could be getting shot or dead or pronounced dead at whatever time so you just gotta keep your head on the swivel and just hope that it doesn't happen to one of your favorite entertainers or artists or whatever And but like I said uh, it's a kind of a bad day in hip hop, cause nobody really expected this to wake up. I was scrolling, I seen the tweet itself, so that's bad. I mean, 
just it's all bad now, man. You never know what to expect these days, so it is what it is. And this is bonus content from the Money Gang Pod, episode sixty-five, what part two will be this week. I'll start on it tomorrow. You feel me? And you'll knock it out. Doing it tomorrow. I'm gonna try to upload it to Anchor. That's all I know. What it is, you feel me? So, yeah, but um, we are on on my pages, hip hop heads and money gang pod, and showing my respect to the the young king, pop smoke, the king of New York, self proclaimed. Cause it's it's still very much, it's still very new to me. Still seems unreal, and it really doesn't seem like, you know. Like, this should be happening right now, like, to this guy, at least, you know, so. It is what it is. More bonus content. Go to Money Gang Pod on Audio Mac. Check out more podcast episodes and, as well, as more bonus content such as this. Much love. I'm out. Now, for all of you who don't understand um, or never heard of 1501, it's an independent label, and it is founded by a former MLB baseball player, Carl Crawford. Now, Carl Crawford took the Instagram to say this about Meg the Stallion and how she lashed out at them just now. They can thrash me or whatever they do, but the real is you got Hollywood and you got up under Rock Nation and you're acting like you don't have to honor your contract no more. Then you want to say you tried to negotiate. Man, you sent your lawyers in there and they want to take me out. She owed me four albums and they want me to offer they want to offer me one album and take everything away. They're crazy. He went on to go say she was telling y'all finesse niggas the whole time. She was getting finessed. It be your man's it's a man's world, little baby. Now, um I am reading that Meg, she did have a small win in court yesterday, which would allow her to drop music and she has music dropping tomorrow actually. Now, so I would say that is song that is progressing faster than we thought. I mean, we don't want to have another little Wayne Birdman incident that's take like four or five years to get um like settled. But my whole thing is this. Like I said, it's it's two it's twenty twenty now. It is twenty twenty now and you cannot like it's like the boy who cried wolf. It's like rappers always do this, like, okay. She saying she was Megan Thee Stallion when she signed a 1501. That is false. 1501 put Megan Thee Stallion in the position to be Megan Thee Stallion. Now, I mean, if you look at it from the standpoint of, I mean, you, it's a business at the end of the day. And homie business or friend business don't doesn't happen. So if a lot of people think that the artist or the company and the label and the managers and all that shouldn't make money off the rappers, but that's ludicrous. Like everybody has to get paid. Yes. The artist is the company, but everything, the machines and everybody in the corner of that, um, excuse me, in the corner of that artist has to get paid. And a lot of artists don't see that. So, I mean, yeah, I seen, um, Everybody's saying that she only got she 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 didn't get a meal off the stuff she was getting. She only got what forty percent of what she was supposed to get. Then she still had to pay money to them. So I mean, in this whole situation, I'm gonna say this: rappers just gotta get smarter. 
They gotta take the smarter route. She making it seem like she was um years younger. It was two years ago when you signed that fifteen on one contract. I mean, you gotta be at least a half a decade for me to believe that you're smarter than you was back then. Like, come on now. And you just gotta stop signing your life away with dreams and hopes of glory. But then when it comes, you wonder why you're not profiting money like you're supposed to. This is things you gotta have your lawyers look at. And if you want to take the easy way out and just the easy way out got you in this position that you're in right now. And you got Jay Prince who um, he took the Instagram to respond today. And if you know the OG Jay Prince of Houston, Texas, um, the mob ties, you know, rap a lot. And you know, already know every time he makes a post, it's lengthy. And I'm going to read it out to you now. Now, um, breaking news alert. Houston, we have a problem. Megan, along with Rock Nation employee, Gatinjali Grace Lear, um, decided to include my name in a lawsuit wrapped around lies and stupidity. We're going to get this shit straight. Now, let's deal with the root of this issue. The root is a familiar one for me coming from a successful independent record label's perspective. We as independent record labels make many sacrifices along with our artists. After we do all the hard work together with artists, it's a known fact that the the major record labels and established managers attempt to poach the fruits of our labor. One of the first thing they do is criticize the deal that raised the artists from the dead. These record labels and managers don't want shit to do with these artists until the hard work, risk, and sacrifice and resource have been spent by the little guys. This is the same technique of the culture vultures. I didn't allow this to happen to me when New York and LA record labels attempted to take my artists, so they um, labeled me as a malicious for fighting back. I didn't allow it then, so I damn sure ain't gonna allow it to happen to 1501 Records or any other independent record labels that I'm associated with. Boy, it's a lot. For the record, we have no problem with negotiating with Megan, but we do have a problem with dictators. I find it very interesting that Rock Nation would allow their employee to sign an affidavit and statement full of slanderous lies and on my methods of doing business when we have partnered together on several occasions. I don't think Jay-Z is aware of this, but only time will tell. Megan, even though she signed an affidavit, talked down and lied and court documents on me. I understand how lawyers brainwash artists to milk them of funds and lawsuits that they know they can't win. Megan seems to be a perfect candidate for self-destruction. Any artist in the music industry will testify that a 40% profit share is a great deal, especially from an unestablished artist that to this day has never delivered an album. To end this, I give credit to where credit is due. Megan, along her mother, who eventually could read God rest her soul, negotiated a good deal. Now it was a mouthful. But this is exactly what I just said. Almost. But more lengthy. And that's how business works. And she hasn't dropped an album to this day, so are you telling me you're going to up the percentage on a mixtape artist? Forget the 8 mil followers on Instagram and trademarking Hot Girl Summer. She hasn't dropped an album yet. We don't know if she's a sure thing yet. And to give her more than 40%? Come on now. 
You got to look at it from an independent label standpoint. Independent coming like independent labels make or break artists. But usually when they make the artist and he go mainstream and he's big, that's when the major come in and try to take away. Then that's why you see a lot of artists, they catalog or discography or whatever you call it. They lose the hunger once some major labels get involved because the hunger's not there. An independent label, it humbles you. That's why TDE is one of the best labels in the game today. Humble. like It came from the bottom. Still an independent label, but it's a very successful independent label. And you got to do business with what Schoolboy Q, Kendrick Lamar. They got to do business with Interscope. So it was good. It went full circle. But one thing that we can't do, man, is look at this and not get nothing from it. All artists, stop signing these contracts. If you've got dreams and you think that you can make it to the mainstream, that's fine. Believe in yourself. But don't try to sign something then think everything's going to be well because you got to look very... A lot of people just look at percentages, but the percentage matters too. But you got to look at the terms and X amount of years, you got to drop X like these amount of albums and all that. Like You got to take into consideration the terms. A lot of people don't do that. They see that advance, probably don't look at um the percentage, and they just go off the money they know can get in advance. Like, but whatever, man. And that's how I view this whole situation, man. Like, rappers just gotta get smarter, man, about business and understand that music is like thirty percent of the rap industry. The other seventy is the business and the work that you gotta put in to push your artists and put the machine behind the artist so the artist is big as they think they can get and a lot of artists don't realize that until they do realize that we're gonna have a lot of keep having situations like this where instagram story or via instagram video or twitter or whatever they're gonna call out their label because they wasn't paying attention to what they signed or they had it was young there was too young in megan's case or they was young or well what she was 20 back then so i don't understand why she couldn't sign the contract herself her mother had to I mean, when you over the age of 18, you can sign contracts yourself, but 17 and younger, I mean, your parents got to sign it, and that's in everything. But I don't understand why she's not signing it or, like, trying to get a contractual lawyer to view the terms. I mean, rappers, bro, we got to get smarter because this is really getting out of hand. Like I said in the intro, um, Lil Baby dropped my turn on Friday, and when it dropped, you know, like, I was wondering what we was going to get from Baby. It was going to be something like um, his last project. But actually, it's been in heavy my, in my heavy rotation on Spotify, along with Herd's project. And this is a very good project from Lil Baby. I mean, it's lengthy, but the tracks in this lengthy album are, I would say, for the most part, very good. It's not too many skips on this album for me. Personally, looking at the track list, I mean, Get Ugly, the intro, Heating Up with Gunna, How, one of my favorite tracks, um, Whoa, I mean, everybody know what Whoa is, that was like one of the lead singles, Live Off My Closet featuring Future, definitely fire, and I like the Lil Baby Future um, tracks that we've gotten so far, um, Emotionally Scarred is my def definitely my favorite song on this project. And I, one thing I like about this project, in my opinion, 
this is what sets Lil Baby away from everybody. Because in QC, that's the label with City Girls, Lil Yachty, Migos, you know. And he's the most consistent guy to drop music. Like, and even this was his long, longest period without dropping every few months, but he's still the most consistent out of that group. You know, Migos dropping Culture 3 soon. And I don't really know. I know Lil Yachty's working on a little boat and oh, giving down. What the fuck? Oh, it's down mic. But um there we go. I'll fix it back. But damn, um we know um that like it takes time with these labels and you can't drop as frequently, but Lil Baby was the one that was dropping so frequently and coming back with this, I think he can be able to sit on this for the rest of twenty twenty. And, you know, I mean, by while stacking up features, but I don't know. We might get another project for Lil Baby, probably be the end of the year. But this was a good release from Lil Baby, in my opinion. I think every song, I think he unleashed a different flow or different cadence, you know, or melodies and stuff like that. And it just showed how versatile he is with his sound and rapping and how better of an artist that he has gotten since the last time he's released a project. In my opinion, this is what puts Lil Baby in a different class of the new school artists because listening to this project, this is only vibes that Lil Baby can give you. Like nobody else can give you these vibes that Lil Baby give you. It's like he's in his own lane and he's mastered it and it's like he just knows when to snap on it. Like he knows when to use his like special powers, so to speak. Like he knows how to use it. He he knows that like that's his sound and his lane, and he stays in it. And he knows then how to make it born. Like uh, people, let's say that somebody make the same song with fifteen, sixteen times, but in their mind they're making new product. It's just the way it sounds and the way they go about it from the listener standpoint that it sounds the same. But none of these songs up here give you the same vibe. None of these songs up here sound the same. Even with production, you got Tay Keith. Um, and a lot of great production. I can't think of off the top right now, but it's a lot of great, um, I think Day Trip is up here, man, for sure. I'm not sure if he got, um, Metro up here, but yeah, speaking of Metro though, I think him and 21 Savage is dropping Savage Mode 2 around what, March 13th. I think, um, Uzi going to drop? that day and I think Playboy Cardi might drop. So um yeah, it's probably be a good uh few weeks in hip hop March. Definitely some good projects released in March, whether it's Pop Smoke, Meet the Woo Two and there's a lot of there's a lot of good music being dropped in March that I can say. So like I said, when the baby dropped his album, um I mean Lil Baby dropped his album. He dropped the same day as G Herbo. And all I can say about these albums is these are two good albums, bro. G Herbo, this is everything that I expected in the PTSD episode. And the, off the intro, he just pulls you into this, like makes you interested in this project. Used Jay-Z Dynasty intro and flipped it and split, put bars on it and just let you know what it's like to come from being in Chicago, man. And Glass in the Face featuring A Boogie. In this bitch, Death Row Party in Heaven featuring Lil Dirk, PTSD featuring Chance the Rapper, Juice World, Lil Uzi, 
all my favorite songs, Gang Banging by any means, 20 Sa- 21 Savage. But the song I like the most is Lawyer Fees. And that is featuring, um, excuse me, the uh, Polo G, the young guy in Chicago right now. And that's who that's featuring. And I feel like this is the release that I've been waiting for for G Herbo. I feel like Swervo and Still Swerving was just mixtapes to me. Like, after Humble Beast, I feel like he just took a hiatus and did a mixtape, you know, shit like that. But I think this is what we need from G Herbo. I think. This is what's gonna put him in like a legit category as one of the best rappers, not just in Chicago, but in the rap game period. And this, this is definitely one of the best albums. Probably gonna come out this year. That's a strong statement because I know I said Kendrick and Meek dropping this year, but this is gonna be a great album. I'm like looking down at like looking back at this this is going to be one of those classic albums and it's his sophomore release as far as albums but this is a classic some people don't always hit the home run on their first the first time you know their debut album some guys hit the home run on their um sophomore some guys hit it on their third I'm like you never know but he hit the home run this time and put himself in hip hop history at least in my eyes so yeah, um, PTSD by G Herbo streamed that as well as My Turn by Lil Baby. And it's interesting seeing Lil Baby fans and G Herbo fans. And somehow, young boy fan, NBA young boy fans got into the mix talking about who was better or who album is better. Meanwhile, Lil Baby and G Herbo, they posting each other albums the same day talking about how they fought with each other album. One thing I don't like within the black community is people... People defend artists and shit like they get paid to do it. They don't even know you exist. On top of that, these motherfuckers, half of these niggas be supporting each other. Why y'all going at each other in comments and shit like that? Or who better? Young boy, baby, herbo. Like, the fuck out of here. Like, it's so childish. Like, you don't get paid to defend any of these niggas. Like, they don't even know you personally. Like, why are you taking it so personal? And... That's why I, one of the things I don't like about social media is everybody think they got to voice their opinion, even on shit that nobody even give a fuck about, at least from them. Like, most motherfuckers' taste in music is trash. So, a lot of these debates niggas be having about these rappers that probably one of them I never heard of or both of them I never heard of, niggas' taste in music is straight ass. And before I make this next statement, bro, that's how I know niggas is taste of music is ass like niggas niggas Gucci Mane is in niggas top five Gucci Mane is in niggas top five that's how <coughs> damn see bro I wanna say this is that coronavirus or something bro but nah I ain't gonna joke about that but we gonna speak on that but I don't know I've been getting sick lately but um no stopped up and shit but um That is what, like, I don't like how people do that shit, though. Like, they always go against people or other artists. Like, why can't you be happy for everybody? Like, they got, they can take care of their family. Then on top of that, like, this G Herbo shit. Like, nigga, I've been listening to this nigga's album in 10th grade. And then he put out quality projects throughout his whole career. 
So that just set him in a different class with me. Like he's he's on the road to getting that longevity and shit that he's supposed to have. Like, and I don't know how the hell NBA young boy got in the goddamn the goddamn conversation when he he didn't even drop an album. Goddamn, he he dropped this week. I think he dropped last week or some shit like that. That nigga, his fans and stands, they always find a way to make him relevant in the conversation. Like, I know that more than the majority of um, NBA YoungBoy fans are kind of like six nine. It's a bunch of suburban kids who've never been anywhere close to the hood, so they think listening to his music is what the hood sounds like, and they get behind him, which they should. I mean, him versus six nine. I mean, six nine did shit here and there, but it's always discredited because he snitched about all of it. At least with NBA Youngboy, we know we get an authentic persona. Like that's who he really is. That, like that's what he really come from. So all the people getting on board, I'm not mad at them. But it's usually people that just never been in that space before in their life. And I say that to say this, like that's why I appreciate PTSD as an album so much more because it lets you know about like what people think Chirac cool for killing people and shit like that. Like it 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 causes trauma to people. Some people are never the same. Growing up in environments like that. That's why I'm glad that this album is made. But whatever, man. I'm giving me off that soapbox. And our last topic of the episode, dealing with the legend himself, Jay the Kiss. Kiss of death. Jay to the mwah. You know what I mean? And he's releasing his um an album called Ignatius Tomorrow, which leaves me with this question that I've been thinking about all week. What does Jadakiss really mean in the rap game? So I started to think, like, hmm. Like, how would I start this conversation? When I think of Jadakiss, I think of a pure lyricist. When writing bars, he doesn't waste a line in none of his bars. And he makes you think about the shit that he raps about. And he gives you descriptive imagery of everything that he raps about and you can tell it's from a place of vulnerability that he's been there and Jadakiss is definitely top five dead or alive and the reason I said that Gucci man thing just now about people and bad taste in music is because Gucci man is not lyrically better than Lil Wayne definitely not Jay-Z not Nas Kendrick um, J. Cole, definitely. Um, Eminem, definitely not none of them. And he's definitely not more lyrically, like, talented than Jadakiss. And that's what I'm just saying, like, now, like, it's different. It's a, it's a wide range of music that people like, people dislike for whatever reason. But you gotta love this era of hip-hop because there's so much to choose from. You got people in their lyrical bag. You got people that just make fun club records. You got people who make emo, like, sad trap type shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's different lanes. Like, you got Trippy Red. You got Block Boy JB. You got everything in between. Like, and that's what you got to love about hip-hop. So, what I think about Kiss and he came in a different time of hip-hop and definitely watched hip-hop change as a game and a business. He, you feel me? So, Kiss, I think he will always be like known for his verses, freestyles, radio freestyles, on stage freestyles, like just being equipped with the bars. That's what Jada Kiss is. That's what I think about 
when I think about Al Qaeda Jada, you know what I mean? Jay Song. But I don't know if kids today know what Jada Kiss is. They probably just know him for a like a, a ad lib laugh or whatever. Like Jada Kiss is definitely one of the best lyricists in hip hop history. Without a doubt. You can't make an album called Top Five Dead or Alive. You feel me? That's that's a bold statement itself. But to name an album that and be able to back it up on every track, and not even just with that album, previous work, you know, Kiss the Game Goodbye, Kiss My Ass, um, Kiss of Death. Like, these are great goddamn projects from Jada Kiss. It might get swept under the rug because it was a different time of hip hop then. But I'm quite sure a lot of people, a lot of people remember him for his song "Why." But if you don't, bro, I suggest you go on Spotify, Apple Music, title, wherever you stream your music, and just listen to J- a Jada Kiss album or a couple songs and understand the true essence of hip hop and why I love it. And Jada Kiss would be one of the reasons that I truly love hip hop for what it is and everything that it has came to be everything that it once was and hopefully the evolution will never stop so with that being said that's the end of the episode and i'm gonna just go ahead and jump into the outro this episode's today in hip-hop segment will be chicago rapper chief keith on this day in 2012 he created his hit single i don't like featuring lil reese and Around the time this came out, man, I didn't know the impact this song or this drill era would have, but I would say this was my, um, like, this was my intro into the drill scene and the drill era and Chirac rappers in general because, yeah, I think these are the albums that, like, in my mind, like, really set the tone for the drill era. Chief Keith, Back From The Dead... Um, Lil Reese don't like the mixtape. Um, Fredo Santana, Fredo in the cut, um, Scary Sight. Scary Sight's definitely in there. Um, and am I missing any? I think Lil Dirt, Life Ain't No Joke. And I don't want to say that's it. Am I missing somebody? SD, Life of a Savage. And. This is what all started all of that, man. Like this is what put the um the spotlight on Chicago drill era. And this is how guys like Lil Reese and Lil Dirk are the guys that we know today. And that opened the door for guys like Polo G and Juice World, rest in peace. And even G Herbo and Lil Bibby, who now is focused less on rap but the executive label side and the business side of things. So this right here is what started that whole Chicago drill ever seen. What was it, from 2012 to at least, what, 2015, 2014? That's when people say that, like, that's the peak of the Chicago drill era. But this song from Chief Keef and Lil Reese is what started it. And I didn't think this song would, like, be considered a classic song along with the mixtapes at that time. But that is its own time period itself. And you just had to be around to see the influence that these guys had. Like, everybody wanted to, like, know what everybody knew when a new Chief Keef song was out, a little dirt, new project. Like, everybody was on it. And this is when, 
like the drill era was at, was at its peak. Like in a lot, like if we wasn't living in Chicago, the Midwest, then we didn't really know. They already knew. But this is what brought it to the mainstream. Like this is what made these guys have all these millions of views on YouTube is because, and some guy would eventually go on to make the Warren Chirac. But I mean, who cares? And me not even from there. So I like, what gives him the validation to like to speak on all that shit? But you already know what I'm talking about. But this is what started all of that. And personally, I could say um, I was around to witness hip-hop history. It may not be traditional hip-hop, but at that time, it was guys no older than me at the time making these songs and telling you about the trauma of living in Chicago. So this was definitely something to remember, and this is covers Chief Keef Don't Like dropped eight years ago today in hip-hop, and it definitely changed the music scene afterwards. And that is my segment for today in hip hop. So, as you all know, Friday, unexpectedly, because it's not like we've been expecting this project for months now, Lil Uzi Vert has finally dropped. Eternal will take. Now, I had like at least three, well, at least four and a half listens to this. I listened to it cutting the grass when it came out Friday. I listened to it playing Call of Duty in its entirety and a couple more times as the weekend progressed. Now, I've seen a lot of mixed reviews on this project, maybe because it's been the most anticipated project of 2019, but it didn't drop. And I got a take on this. That's very, very interesting. And it's about like, the expectations, like in times, like it's a it's a moment, like it's a moment in time. For instance, let's back up here. I I got listeners all over the world. I'm not trying to be full of myself, but I got listeners all over the world and outside the United States, South Africa, London, wherever. Now, Ghana. So, I bet that I, like all my listeners, the majority, mostly probably United States, or if they keep up with hip-hop and sports and all that, then I'll say this. Um, but I bet everybody can agree with this one statement. No matter where you're from in the United States or wherever, any state in the United States, I bet you can agree with this. And if you were if you were in high school around this time, and you was uh you was in ninth grade, in like a certain time and period, like in the early two thousands or when you if you started the high school like in the late two in the well not late, early twenty tens, like twenty ten through twenty fifteen. Then you would say that I, I know for sure that you would say that 2016 was like a phenomenal year, like the year itself, the summer, the summer is what made it legendary. But I bet everybody has some like a bunch of stories or a bunch of shit that they did in 2016. Like for some reason, 2016 seems like the best year of the last decade for some reason. Like, it seemed like everything was perfect. Me, that's when I graduated um, high school and all that. Just began a different journey. Um, it was different. Like, 
it was it was good. Like it was f- fun times with people that I never forget. Like the on the music side, it was a lot of great music out. Like at that point, like whether it was depending on what you, it don't matter what type of music you like, it was good music out. And whether it was what young um who was O T Genesis cut it, um, Lil Yachty, Cold in Minnesota, um, Lil Uzi. That's one and. Exactly. That's when Lil Uzi had dropped um, Love versus the World, Lil Uzi Vert versus the World. That's when he dropped that. And that's probably like up to that point, up to date, that was his best project. And I think that's the standard that we hold him to. Like, you got to understand, 2016 is a moment in time. And I think for everybody, rappers, singers, or whatever, that was a different mode. I think that's the last. I think Rihanna dropped her album. She dropped Needed Me and Work and all that stuff. That was one of the best music years, sports years. That was when LeBron and the Cavs came back from 3-1, beat the uh, Warriors. That was a great year in every aspect, in my opinion. Like, everything just seemed to be different. Like, it was just something in the air. Like, that whole year that just made 2016, like, everything. And it was unexpected. I mean, because nobody knew that, like, 2016 would be what it was, you know? And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, I say all that to say this. Kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about 2016 out of nowhere? You're supposed to be talking about Lil Uzi and reviewing the album. I'm saying he dropped Love versus the World, you know? And that, like I said, it's a moment in time. That can't be the expectations for every Lil Uzi Vert project. And I say that to say this. This is. Um, EA A Turner Would Take is a great release from Lil Uzi Vert but it is not people would say it is not a good um, follow up from Love Is Rage 2 which that is like the story front like the front like the franchise of his albums is Love Is Rage if you had to ask me that catalog those one two and three well ain't a three yet but is it Nah, it's just two. So, people are saying it's not as good as that. But ultimately, it's not... You can't... I wouldn't even compare those two projects because it has two different feels. But that's the expectation that we hold Lil Uzi to. Because I remember getting on Spinrilla. You feel me? This before the Apple Music and Spotify shit was popping like it is now. But it still was out. But niggas wasn't really fucking with it like that. They had the mixtape, Apple's My Mixtape, Spinrilla and shit like that. So when you go on Spanrilla, you see on the home page, you got Lil Uzi Vert, Love versus the World. And I was already familiar with listening to 7 a.m. on Love is Rage and Moist and, you know. So, that being said, we, um, well, me, I, and people I was fucking with at the time, like, this all we were listening to was, like, mixtape shit. Like, shit on mixtapes. Like, mixtape artists, like, they blow. It's a different type of hunger than guys, you know. And now... That's kind of, I'll kind of fizz it out, but that's all. That's all on my topic for another episode. But yeah, like you can't hold them to that. And that people don't want to admit it, but they, they know like that. Like that's what put a lot of people on Lil Uzi was Love versus the World. And I remember it came out. It was around this time, like I want to say April Mayish, because I remember um I think one of the songs being played at prom. Uh, I forgot the name of the song, but it'll not matter and all that. Like that's up there. 
and Canadian um Canadian Goose and all that. And he got a bunch of Molly Raw beats. Even though he didn't have Molly Raw um a turner would take, but it still sounded like some of that sound. And I say all that to say you can't I don't hold him to that. And a lot of people like bring twenty sixteen back and all that. Nigga, that's just some of his catalog. Like I mean, of course that's gonna be his go to probably project for everybody, but you can't hold him to that. And and if you're gonna do every album and compare it to that, then it's never gonna be what you expect because that's just a moment in time, like I keep saying, like and I know how much we get caught up in the music and it happened with it happened with a lot of great artists like Jay Z as once he start making a lot of these albums, people are like, Oh, we want some of that old shit. We'll buy the old albums. Well, with Lil Uzi, it's the same thing. Stream the old projects if that's what you want. But you artists can't give you, even when they make a follow-up or make a part two to an album or something, it's not really going, in certain, in most cases, it's not going to top the predecessor. Like, it's not going to top the first one. But it could be a, like a good alternative, like a good follow-up to that like project franchise. like And... I say all that to say this, man. Um, you can't do that. Like you can't, because then everything that he, every album he drops after this, you gonna compare it to that, and it's not gonna be that. So it's whack, and it's not. It's a great body of work, and it was from what I'm the way I like decipher albums. I listen to it three times for three different reasons. First, it's just like the overall sound of the project. Trying to see what the theme is and see like, like what's like how these how how all these songs tie together. That's one. Two, of lyrics like the lyrical ability with him. You never know. It's the it's the best it's the best of both worlds as far as singing and rapping with him. So you never know when he's gonna bust out rapping and give you bars like he did on that song Pop. Like so, and the third is just for production. Third is just production just to see like okay, like how the production sounds and who it's from and does it really fit this artist and does it fit this this like um project of music. So three times and the fourth is just, you know, to see was I right about how I like the first three listens and everything. So like I said, this is a good body of project. Like it's a good body of work. Excuse me. This is a good body of work. But like I said they compared it from an album to this almost, I think when April may get here, it's going to be four years exactly when he dropped it. And you're not going to get that from somebody. Like, you probably can get better or you can get worse, but you're not going to get exactly what you got from that time period. Like, that's just what people don't want to fail to realize, man. So, that was a mouthful to say. And, but whatever. Um, Stream Lose, Reverse Later Project, Eternal would take. And you decide. See, if my rambling on for 10 minutes straight wasn't enough, you listen and you decide. Then take in consideration everything I said about the criteria and the expectations from one project four years ago until now. And you decide. Simple. Now, let's move on. Now, in the intro, I said I was going to touch on Meg Thee Stallion and how I feel her own. Um, whole social media um, presence about this ongoing label situation and how it affected how I didn't think that it helped at all now 
remember when I was talking about the baby, I said that he'll get into, he'll fight somebody or something. But then that'll work towards his music. Like, that'll help him get on. She did this whole Instagram thing with the label back and forth and all, and the shit ain't really do nothing. Now, I'm going to say uh, she had to put out Sugar. She just like, so she want to keep her fans waiting on her album. But um, it's projected only move like 35 to 40K. And in my opinion, that's a huge L because with all this hype and the following and influence that you have, and some may say that she doesn't deserve it, but I mean, hey. But I was thinking at least with all this, her being who she is and have a social media presence and all these fans, she would at least got at least 100K, like 140K, 160K, something like that. And it seems like... um. She was on, like, um, I think G Herbo did 60K, but he's independent, I think. And the little baby, he did 160K. And, I mean, G Herbo, his is much of a W because he's independent. Everybody knows her situation now, and she only moved, like, 35, 40K. And the percentage of that she's getting is part is horrible, so... That's definitely an L. And this little social media shit with the label 1501 that really didn't help or make people want to buy her music or put people onto her music who already won't listen. So I don't really think that this really did anything on the far side of like boosting the music and getting to the point where it like didn't look like a flop. I mean, as of now, it looked like a flop. And that's just simple. Like, so. That little shit didn't help. So hopefully when the album comes, the album is something more, like, better than Tina Snow and Fever and this Sugar EP. So, yeah. Hopefully that's the case. And I don't know. Because it's looking like an L now. And it's looking like it's going it's leaning on the side. It's say 35 to 40K. So it's probably leaning towards that 40K. It's going to be, like, what she sold when Friday gets here. So... It's probably going to be on the rough side of 40, 40, 45K or something like that. So, but yeah, that's how I feel about this whole Meg thing. It's like, I mean, I understand she was kind of in a rush and she just wanted to put something out. So these probably just some random songs she had in the stash or that's some shit that didn't make the damn album. But I mean, I feel like it should have sold more. And, but I mean, whatever. Now, how I'm going to end this, I'm going to be on this Kodak Black versus NBA Youngboy. I know how you wondering, how do they have a beef and Kodak Black is incarcerated. But, probably won't get out until 2020, um, 2022. So, um, I was thinking about, um, this has always been, they have always been a robbery. And not on no rap beef type of thing. And a lot of people, you know, they try to, now since this thing is happening, they try to go through their songs and think a time they could have been dissing at each other. But you know, a lot of times rappers talk in general, but people think that they're talking about another rapper. And those guys happen to do that a lot. So people be trying to put the pieces together and figure out, like, oh, they talking about each other in that song and all that. No. The reason that they have a thing is because Kodak has a, a big following. And NBA Youngboy obviously has a huge following. And... It's like they going head to head to see like who's 
who's the next, you know, person? Like, who's the guy? Who's really the guy of the new school? And a lot of people think it's Kodak Blight. And that's how the people sort of say his name. It's Kodak Blight. But this whole thing is funny to me. And it all started Kodak Black saying via Instagram. And a lot of people wondering how the hell can he post on Instagram. But he's saying that NBA Youngboy cooperated. And Youngboy would react in a, in, a, in a way only NBA Youngboy can do. And, and NBA Youngboy, that's, that's, the def, that's the perfect reaction that you could get from him. And everybody know what I'm talking about and how he responded. And this whole thing has been a thing and, you know, Jack Boy and, you know, certain guys are getting involved. Um, NBA young boy affiliate on um, what, Baby Joe or something like that. So I'm seeing how this thing could play out. Now, I don't want it to go that route. But, I mean, like I said, these two have always been pitted against each other when, before this even happened because of fans. And NBA Youngboy fans, they they are a bunch of stands, bro. They are stands at the part, at the point of that they, he can do no wrong in their eyes. Like, everything he makes is a hit. Everything he has is hot. Like, as an artist, that's impossible. And every time something like this happened, a lot of people get scared and say, R.I.P. Young Boy, R.I.P. Kodak and all this thing. Like, bro, they need to stop wishing death on people, man. That's not cool at all. It's really not. But it's just what goes on in this rap game, man. These guys, they I think they should go about this in a different way than everybody expecting, which would be the mature adults thing to do. But I mean, these guys are I don't know, man. They just they just too wild niggas, and you never know what's gonna come from anything with them and all that. So I mean, if you're watching their post about each other and how Kodak. <laughs> I call that responded on Instagram. He's in jail. I don't understand like how this nigga um is down like making Instagram posts and he's supposed to be in prison, but like I do not understand that man. But I mean it's happening and I mean it is what it is. But um if you think about it, I'm never wanna see nothing go bad between you know, two black artists from wherever. So I don't really try to condone that it is rap beef being anything more than rap beef. If it's beef for whatever reason, I would like to think rappers come from a lot of hard struggling type shit. I mean, some didn't, but for the most part, a lot of rappers come from nothing. So if you come from that type of lifestyle, why would you make millions and some point billions of dollars to still handle it like you did in the streets? I mean, rapping is your profession. I mean, Keep it rap and just keep it rap beef and y'all make diss songs and see who win what like who wins round one and who ultimately won the whole beef slash war. I mean, that's the way you handle rap beef. But I mean, with these guys, man, everybody knows the type of time they be on, and so that's that. That's the last um episode.
I mean, it's the last uh, segment of the episode. I'm going to end it like this. I'm about to get back to my loving, beautiful girlfriend. Um, So, yeah, that's that. Shout out to my Spotify listenership, um, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts got the highest percentage. So thanks, everybody that listened on Apple Podcasts, as well as any other platform they listen to, listen to it on. And like that, we're clocking out for episode 72. Everybody, I hope everything is good with everybody in North Carolina. Um, much love. And we out like that. All right, man. So let's just go. I'm just gonna get. I'm gonna just go ahead and get y'all the fast version, man. Now, French Montana, you know all this quarantine bullshit going on, and oh, how I forget this? All these battles and shit. So, French Montana, he battled Tory Lanes and he won. Now, French Montana has his head in the clouds. He recently did an interview with Complex, and an interview in which he said. And now, I don't think he was particularly singling out Kendrick Lamar because I know for sure French Montana and Kendrick Lamar are friends and that is not something that is fueled by music. I know the behind the scenes, French Montana and Kendrick are really friends. Now, with that being said, he said Kendrick Lamar, he could put him up against anybody, including Kendrick Lamar, and he has more hits. He went on to say... If you go to a festival and you put Kendrick Lamar on stage and you put French Montana on stage, his songs will ring off more. Now, for those of you who don't know what festivals are, those are where rappers go at. It's a set time for each rapper, and it might be up to 100, 200, 250 rappers, 250 artists, R&B singers, rappers, the whole nine. They all go to a festival. In North Carolina, everybody knows what J. Cole does with Dreamville Fest and everybody that came through last year, Big Sean, SZA. A lot of people came through, name it. That's the festival. Now, a lot of artists, just rappers, R&B singers, they come through. So, you know, everybody has a set date, 15 minutes. For 20, you know, for the bigger artists, 20, 25 minutes. So for Sizzle, you get 20, 25 minutes of her. She named, she do all her songs. Everybody in the crowd knows it. That's what the festival is. So he's saying with that, he can go to Coachella, which Coachella is one of the bigger festivals. He's saying he could go there and everybody would know all of French Montana's songs versus Kendrick Lamar. And I can't say that. For one, Kendrick Lamar could go to Coachella and perform um I say three songs. No 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 I was gonna get there. Well I'm gonna say he gonna say three songs off his first album. Now I won't even go to To Pimple Butterfly, King Kunta or Damn, Loyalty or Humble. I'm not even gonna go that far. I'm talking about his first album. Three songs. Swimming Pools, Poetic Justice, and Mad City. That's it. Those three songs are going to ring off. French Montana, you can perform, pop that. Don't stop, pop that, all that. Yeah, you probably going to get a quick ring off. After that, that's it. Now, let's talk about the hits part. French Montana has a lot of hits. Kendrick Lamar has a lot of hits. But Kendrick Lamar has been making hits before Kendrick Lamar was even Kendrick Lamar. So with that being said, when he was named K-Dot, before he changed his name to Kendrick Lamar, he was making hits on an underground level. People didn't know who Kendrick Lamar was. French Montana, same thing. He was on a mixtape level, giving us street albums and hits. Now, if you could, if I could find one of my uh, my iPod Touch from 2011, 2012, you would see a lot of French Montana, Future, uh, Big Sean, some Kendrick Lamar. This is like Section 80, over de- overly dedicated, Schoolboy Q, all that stuff. So I used to listen to both of these artists. 
So I would like to, I would like to think that I know who would win this. It's Kendrick, and it's by a wide margin. That doesn't mean that French Montana is not a great artist. He makes great music, but it's from the street level. Ken Lamar, you go to a Ken Lamar concert, you're going to see everybody from white, Asian, and black because he's more influential to everybody. And French Montana only appeals to one crowd, and that's street people and drug dealers. And it's not bad, but he switched. And he switched his sound up. French Montana is not the French Montana he used to be. So, if you look at the hits, Ken Lamar is winning by a large margin. And his songs are ringing off more than French Montana because it's Kendrick Lamar. And he was, Kendrick Lamar was doing quarantine before the whole pandemic. You never know when you're going to get an album from Kendrick Lamar. It's like Rihanna or Frank Ocean or something. You've been, you've been a fan of them. You never know when you're going to see them. So when you do see them, it makes it more special. French Montana is very accessible. You can go on Instagram and see French Montana. You can't go on Instagram and see Kendrick Lamar because he doesn't care. And he's more about music and influencing young people. If you notice, he almost gave 80 million to the um, Compton Centennial High School that he went to. Did he make that stuff public like some of these rappers would? No, because he doesn't care. And it's more about giving back to the community. That's the type of stuff he cares about and less about Instagram posts. That's the two different artists. People don't seem to understand that. Yes. Now, I finally got that out of the way. Now, French Montana versus Young Thug. Before, you know, Young Thug chimed in and said, bro, ain't no way in hell you got more hits than Kendrick Lamar. Obviously, Young Thug spent time with Top Dog, J-Rock, Schoolboy Q. And they got some songs on the way. They posted a drop on Schoolboy Q's album Crash Talk last year. That didn't happen. But... Young Thug has a relationship with Black Hippie. Young Thug has said more than one time that he loves Kendrick Lamar. Young Thug has said he wanted to be signed to TDE with SZA, Isaiah Rashad, Sir, Black Hippie. Um, I'm not forgetting. The dude, that's, I forgot the dude's name. Star with a Z. But he's on that love song with Kendrick Lamar. They're all, they're all on TDE. Now, French Montana. French Montana, like I said, we still in French Montana. French Montana has had a drug problem over the years. French Montana has had a drinking. Coke, don't you? No, French Montana has had a drinking. <laughs> no, that's the name of his company, Coke Boys. But like you do Coke. <laughs> no, but French Montana. But let's be fair. French Montana has had a hard life. Okay, he was born in Morocco. You know, Morocco is in Africa. But the people born in Morocco or from Morocco, they are African, but they look French. Hence the name French Montana. He's from Africa. He moved to New York in 1996. 1996 is such a great year. Let's give it up for 1996. But he moved to New York in 1996. His, his dad was an alcoholic. His mom, she uh, worked multiple jobs to try to feed the family. French Montana, South Bronx, he went to sell drugs, eventually went to selling cocaine. That's how he made the company Coke Boys. Now, 2012, he signed to P. Diddy, and he released his uh, debut album, Excuse My French, with uh, Paranoid, Pop That, Ain't Worry About Nothing, all those good songs. And if you look at how French Montana has excelled in the rap industry, you would know he had some good moments and some very bad moments. Some people say his first album was a flop. I feel it was good. It was a good release. But I have been listening to his mixtapes since... Coke Boys 1, 2, and 3, 
uh, Casino Life, Mr. Takeoff, and a lot of other French Montana stuff. But let's get to it. So the reason why Young Thug is acting so aggressive and all this thing, you knew it was something more. I mean, but Young Thug and French Montana relationship has been on the rocks for years. They have the same agent. They have most of the same friends. They have most of the same, um, what was I about to say? Video vixens in their video. Like, but I don't know. Young Thug is saying Meek Mill knows something about him getting knocked out. Meek Mill has this video of French Montana getting knocked out by some of Meek Mill dream chaser friends. Who's to say Young Thug is lying? I mean, Young Thug, everybody can say what they want about Young Thug. But you see, you, you can joke about the dresses and all that. But when Young Thug has said something has happened, it has happened. Now, remember the IHOP situation. Young Thug was the man with the army guns, even when he was with his family. And I don't condone that. But I'm saying he he never folded in the situation when we mentioned Young Thug. So you can have all the memes and all that, but Young Thug always told the truth and even told the truth about Rich Homie Corn. People didn't want to hear it. So, I don't know, but I'm saying what is said, and you can look on Hip Hop DX or Academics and all this, and they'll tell you it's about Carlay. But I think it's something deeper than that. I think it's something got going on with the streets. French Montana obviously has a house in Atlanta. Young Thug is from Atlanta. I think something went wrong in the streets. And that's why Young Thug and French Montana went at each other like they did. But, I don't know. We just waiting to see. But I feel like it's some street shit going on. And I feel like French Montana felt like Young Thug was trying to play him like a hoe or something. And... They, they just kind of went their separate ways. So when French Montana says he's better than Kendrick well, he didn't say he's better than Kendrick Lamar. When he says he has more hits than Kendrick Lamar, and Young Thug obviously is friends with Kendrick Lamar, well, they both are actually friends with Kendrick Lamar, but Young Thug came so aggressive, you knew it just wasn't about that statement. So, I don't know. It's just like this whole rap shit turned to WWE, and it's about who cut better promos. And I don't think Simone has nothing to say about this because she was looking at me like I'm crazy, but I've been ready to unload on this for some quite time. So, we are moving on. And, yeah, we both put this whole questions tab thing up, bro. And, like, I don't like how, bro, y'all niggas only use me to promote y'all own bullshit. Like, no, I'm not listening to none of your beats. I don't like how um, none of my followers are interactive. <laughs> but they love to watch something. They'll watch everything you post on your little story. What you watching for? You not responding? What you trying to look at? Even when I put the fan page up, people went and looked on the fan page but didn't follow it. What you looking at? People don't follow directions. Ben, everybody wants to say, oh, they love you and they followed your they, they followed your whole journey. But that's after you already made it. It don't matter then. I mean, it matters, but it don't matter for you then. I mean, at least if you was a honest fan and came when you're supposed to and followed directions, it would be much of, much of a sweeter story. And now, motherfuckers, I don't know, bro. I thought at least with quarantine... Before I was doing it, wasn't quarantine. Everybody used to tell me stuff to say. Now it's quarantine. Nobody had nothing to say, or nobody like everybody's home. So I know you've seen it. I definitely know you've seen it. It showed me you've seen it. Mm-hmm. But nobody put a question. All these motherfuckers are coming here. They said a bunch of bullshit. Like, oh, listen to my beats on my page, or oh, go to listen to new hip hop and all that. Like, but I'm not, I'm not trying to do that, bro. When I'm, trying to, when, I'm try, when, yeah, when I'm trying to, when I'm trying to, yeah, when I'm trying to do the promotion, nobody signed yeah. up for it. When I'm trying to do stuff like that and promote <laughs> local artists and shit, nah. I tried to help people. Nah. Nobody. That's how, bro. My first shit with the podcast page, I was promoting local people. 
And people still just wanted to, people just, they never satisfied with shit, man. So I was like, fuck it. I start, co- well, no, I start covering the, the favorite. Thing and I posted on the page, nobody did it. That's cool, bro. That's cool. I know all the people that that's looking forward to the t-shirt shit, you feel me? And they yeah. responded to they responded and people responded to that post. So I know who responded. I still got it in my I still got it in my shit. I got all my posts and all that shit in there. So I know the people that want all the t shirt shit, you feel me? So They said yeah. they want the t shirt. We about it's, to drop the t shirts. I wanna see who gonna buy one. Yeah. I wanna see. There ain't no scams or nothing, you feel me? Uh, it shouldn't be a scam. All y'all motherfuckers paying for all this OnlyFans stuff, which I said we should do. But that's a whole other conversation, you feel me? <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, y'all doing this OnlyFans stuff, you feel me? And all this bullshit, y'all worried about scams. Like, these women are scamming y'all. These women is buying These women is buying property off y'all, bro. Think about that. Think about that. All these Instagram models, y'all like the damn clown and, you know, call them like, oh, they got kids and all that. What would your kids think? They got to get clowned in school. But, bruh, they buying houses. They getting shit in their name. Like, they buying all the shit that they, like... This, trying to buy a house. This strip, these strippers, bruh, these, these strippers are getting OnlyFans, bruh. And they are having multiple houses, bruh. There's no cap. I've seen a bunch of cases. I've seen females that I went to all with. Yes, strippers. And they getting OnlyFans. And they got multiple houses, bruh. Multiple houses off that. And they posting in their story how much money they be getting off their subscribers, bro. Finessing them, thinking they getting all these videos and them playing with themselves and all that. But no, you're not, bro. They taking your bread, bro. And they buying houses. Like, think about that. And y'all don't want to buy shirts and stuff. Y'all think y'all get, I'm going to finesse you, bro. Really, bro. That wouldn't help me if I finesse you in that situation. Trying to grow the company. Exactly. That wouldn't help me. That would only hurt my shit. They be like, oh, that nigga just, he be trying to scam people. They fuck my reputation up. Why would I do that? It's still the beginning stages, bro. People don't want to support, bro. Let people know to Don't ask me for no free shirt, no free nothing. Like Cause we got a whole bunch of shit coming. Don't ask me for nothing, no freebies. That's no free promo. I tried to get free promo to niggas. Yeah. Uh, you know how I'm expecting though. So. Don't get me started on every decision. I'll get started. Nah, I know how I feel about that. Black people not supporting each other. I know how I feel about that. It's not whack though, bro. It's like I get, I make all this progress to still come to this point, but like I moved it. For the most part, for the for the for the long run, bro. I did this shit my damn self. I was my own goddamn staff. I sacrificed time away from my own family, shut off in my room doing this. Like, it took time. Like, and it, I mean, it wasn't overnight to make this progress and reach these people, reach different countries. Like, that's huge to me. And it's just like, bro, you, you you do all this and still your own fucking people. It's people fucking Oregon and Seattle motherfuckers 
that really like this shit. But my own fucking people locally, for the most part locally, don't even, won't even support shit, bro. But y'all be the same motherfuckers on Facebook inviting me to y'all little company shit. No, I'm not about to like this bullshit. Y'all be the same motherfuckers sending me these spam DMs about this shit. No, I'm not opening this Post bullshit. This on your page for me. No, fuck you. Repost this, post this here, nigga. Fuck you. No, I'm not doing that shit. Fuck all that shit. And to the point, I always want to help people to help me. It's to the point now, I don't want to help nobody. I'm helping my goddamn self. That, that, that's what you just made it, bro. Get, somebody got to end this cycle, bro. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. I'm not insane. And I'm just taking a different route, bro. Simple. Anything else? No, sir, it's about that time. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> we got a friend watching our shows. Yes, we definitely do. So, but wait, there's more. <laughs> uh, so, Friday, when I did the um, the intro segment, and I put that out the same day, it's funny, the last words that I said was I was going to talk about my, one, one of my favorite new artists from Chicago. Also, I was going to talk about YG and his latest album. So I said I was going to talk about King Von, Welcome to Old Block, and YG, My Life 400. And it's crazy, because usually I go ahead and finish the episode out. I, I just put the intro segment out, you know, just to, you know, test the waters. Then I put the whole, the full episode out a couple of days later. But I'm kind of glad I didn't do that because after I did that, I saw news that, you know, King Von was in critical condition from, you know, multiple bullet wounds. And later on, it was it would turn out that he was pronounced dead after going over after, what, three or four surgeries that couldn't treat those bullet wounds. So I had to take a few days to, you know, do my research, look at what started this whole beef between 4K Trey and, you know, OTF. And look at some police reports to, you know, understand the situation better. Um, what the Atlanta laws are as far as, you know, firearms and shooting people and stuff like that. So, I still am going to, you know, review Welcome to O-Block. Because I think it's a very good project. I thought it was a very good project last week. But it's just crazy that, you know, he dropped this project and this will definitely be, you know, his last project while he's alive. So before we even get into all that, let's talk about the situation. Now, I watched, I just watched this interview with his uh manager. Um, was it T, what, 10K, MG, MT, something like that. And from what I, my understanding... I thought this was about this whole, you know, NBA young boy King Von situation. And I would like to to think that, you know, that's what it stems from. He's saying it's not that, but obviously it's some fill in the blank stuff you gotta do for yourself. Now, Quando Rondo and King Von were cool at one point. There's a lot of videos that have surfaced over the last few days of a time where they wasn't beefing and 
they wasn't fighting each other and doing all this stuff. But NBA Youngboy is the important factor in this whole thing because um, you ever notice with King Von and maybe some of you NBA Youngboy, but I noticed over the last few months there have been like a lot of random tweeting about certain things that you probably couldn't put together. Well, now all this stuff is starting to make sense. So everybody knows by now that King Von used to date Asian Doll. And everybody knows for sure that NBA Youngboy was dating Jania and she's getting tossed around like a pig skin. But obviously NBA Youngboy did a song with Asian Doll and King Von was not smelling that situation. So it was in the works that he was supposed to do a song with Jania, King Von was, and all that. And it was a bunch of tweets going back and forth over the last, what, two months or so. And that kind of, that really kind of plays a part in this whole thing. I mean, obviously, King Von was on the stance that, you know, that's kind of petty. When I see whoever out of 4K Trey, I'm just going, I'm not going to get no guns involved. I'm just going to put my hands on them, you know, and just fight. Like, I spent five years in jail. Like, there's other ways around it. So, that is what happened. He saw Quando Rondo. It escalated to a fist fight, and he got shot from behind by allegedly Lil Tim, Lil Timmy of 4K Trey. Now, it was it was kind of messy because you had undercover cops around. So even if you know they was going into a venue, they couldn't have guns anyway. If somebody would have looked like they was grabbing a gun, they would have got shot. The two people from Vaughn on Vaughn's side that got shot got shot by the undercover cops. So it was a sticky situation all the way all the way around. And his manager described it as just one of those things that happened too fast. Within one point five seconds when when his friend walked up to his car and said, Yo, um Quando I seen Quando Rondo. He got out the car and didn't even know where Quando Rondo was at. He bumped into him. He turned the corner and bumped into him and that's how the fight escalated. So you gotta think about situations more. Those 1.5 seconds that he did that ultimately altered his life, altered, you know, his fans was let down, friends, family, kids was let down. And we got to do better. We can't let all this ego stuff and all this get in the way. And a lot of people can say, well, that's what he get for, you know, and the reason what a couple, what, a week or two ago, talking about Tuka and what he going to do when he see Tuka in heaven and all this stuff. That's cool. But if that's the only thing you could say, well, oh, well, he talked about the death and rapped about death and all this stuff, dissing the dead. That's that's not what I take from this situation. What I take from this situation is a level of ignorance that occurred and multiple people was injured and three died. And the fact that they was cool once upon a time. And NBA Youngboy is the defying factor in this. Because without him putting his ill will and Quando Rondo towards King Von, none of this would have never happened. This thing could have never happened. This all could have easily been avoided. Quando Rondo and King Von should have stayed cool like they was before. And that's going to be the thing. But NBA Youngboy and this 4K trade and all this junk, this is where they're going to meet their demise. For one, this was never ran correctly. You got a bunch of dudes who are still teenagers telling NBA Youngboy what to do. And that's the reason he probably won't never reach full potential as an artist. But on the legal side of things, this is done. I mean, I'm going to look at the legal first because I think the the legal stuff 
may be more dire than the street stuff that's that's coming their way. Um, nobody's going to book these guys to do clubs no more after stuff like this. Um, it's already a pandemic, and doing club appearances and shows and stuff like that was slowing down, and it, it is happening more frequently now, but I can't see it happening. I mean, NBA young one may be good, but what about these other guys like Quando Rondo? His last shit double flopped. Double flopped. Like, his last shit double flopped. So, I don't see another way for him to get to that level. And this is not helping. You can turn off comments on Instagram and all that. You can post free this guy and all that. But you can't deny what the whole world is seeing on tape. This is very much still a punk move. Because everybody have this perception of Chicago where they shoot almost. They some bitches. They didn't fight. Throughout the whole drill era, that was the perception. The one time somebody who came from that Chicago culture is using their hands and not killing somebody, cousin, brother, family member, whatever, he still ends up dead. And it's just like a cycle. It's sad because once you still make it out of Chicago, and who's to say Atlanta is even better, but still, to get out of Chicago, that's still a big thing for those guys, knowing everything that um has happened. And this whole Warren Chirac, GDs, BDs, this whole thing, it's, it's a good thing to make it out. And a lot of people talk about, well, oh, nobody had this same energy for Duck. I mean, F, let's look at the, the I would not put this FBG Duck <laughs> situation in the same conversation as King Von. FBG Duck was not very smart, clearly. And all this, want to stay in the hood and do all this bullshit, Okay. If you can, you can manage it, but only few can, only a few can. And the one dude I thought who could manage it the most almost died himself, Lil Reese. So FBG Duck, um, he made slide, he got a record deal, and he still lived in the hood of Chicago. <laughs> like I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Somebody I, and that's that's the whole basis of that situation. King Ron does not stay in Chicago. He didn't stay in Chicago. And he was taking a little dirt route and moving to Atlanta. It's just unfortunate that this had happened. And the way he even went about it. If he would have saw an op from Chicago, it wouldn't have been no hands. There wouldn't have been no, no type of fighting going on. This is different. This is something else. These guys are from Baton Rouge. And you can say whatever you want to. I see a little, a lot of guys talking about, oh, I would do what little Tim did. Um, If anything... If one of your mans is getting beaten up, of course you're not going to watch your man get beaten up. Okay, well, jump in. Or both crews jump in and y'all have some type of big brawl or whatever. Cool. Well, not cool. But, I mean, it's cooler than what 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 transpired. And what everybody's saying, oh, niggas is saying, oh, they'll go out like that. To me, that says more. That I, I'm glad I'm seeing. I don't know. I got to talk to Anchor Support. Y'all be cutting me on my own episode, bro. But like I was saying, um, I'm glad I'm seeing the niggas who saying that. Because, nigga, that's not the way to go. If you can't handle your ass whooping like a man, then stop all this internet whooping. Stop all this iron slinger gangster talk. Because before all the iron slinging and all this gun talk happened, niggas had to get their knuckles roughed up. Niggas had to get their, you know, knuckles scratched up, busted, you know, all that comes with fighting. So... If you skip that process, then you just one of these want to be gangsters. Simple. And I'm going to go ahead and say this now. 
NBA young boy is in the hot seat right now because you're not saying nothing. You want to put these cryptic videos up. Okay. But at some point, you got to realize these guys are the guys who are made you relevant. Without this whole drill era, I don't think NBA Youngboy would be successful as he was today. Um, these whole 4K trade, NBA Youngboy, NBA crew, I don't know who have, I don't know who the rest of these people are. Let's just keep it real. So, Quando Rondo, he, he has a buzz, but after this, I only can see his career going backwards. Because you can't talk all this gangster stuff. And to the people outside of this industry, the people who don't know what goes on on top of this industry, I'm going to go ahead and put y'all on to something. Um... Quando Rondo is known to be what? Some would say a disciple of NBA Youngboy, his protege. Some would say his um, he views Youngboy as his mentor, which is I think is absurd. But to view this this whole thing, um, a lot of people say Quando Rondo is jealous of NBA Youngboy. People say he's never gonna reach the potential, like get to that level that NBA Youngboy is at, and he's more um. But at the same time, he's complacent with being where he is and all that stuff. And people are saying that um, he's a, a, a coke addict and is always very high doing situations like this. So I'm just going ahead and painting the picture for y'all for people that's on the outside looking in this from a fan standpoint and don't know what goes on in that side. I mean, that's what type of person he is. So if he's coked up to the point where... He don't know where he's at, and King Von is well and on him. I can understand somebody's homie, you know, trying to do something. But killing somebody, you know, a leg shot, shoulder shot, something like that, that's cool. But, yo, get up off him. He ain't in his right frame of mind. But to the to do multiple close-range shots and it for it to transpire like this, they got to know for sure. Chicago is not going to sit there and lay down for that. And 600 Breezy already said, well, they won the war back home. Now it's time to find new enemies. If that's not a demonic phrase from one of the many Grim Reapers of Chirac. But like I said, to all the kids listening, man, you know, take this. Let this be a learning experience. Do not, even when you get any type of relevance, do not refer back to any level of the stuff that you came from. And don't let ego or whatever be the reason that um, you make situations, dire situations like that. And one would, and one could say that, well, King Von raps about shooting people and doing all of this. So, excuse me. So King Von raps about all this stuff that he's doing, like shooting people and all this stuff that he's done. But that's the reason his, um his, what's they call this? His uh persona. His persona is the reason that when you saw him beating up Quan Rondo, you had to shoot him because you thought that's what he was alluding to. No. It's, it's, it's just senseless violence that didn't have to go that way. And now this whole 4K trade NBA crew, <laughs> they got into a, a battle that nobody that they have ever beefed with in Baton Rouge is on the level of these Chicago people. This is something that they have never seen we don't know when this is going to end. Um, a lot of people don't even know that it started. But I promise you, nothing is good going to come of this. And for NBA Youngboy to not be the person to step in and say, you know what, this whole thing is petty. Me and him don't really have a problem or none of that. But to put that ill will amongst the camp of your crew to harm this guy 
or to make it seem like once they see him, it's going to be that. That's the reason that this situation happened. And young boy has to speak up at some point. Like, this can't keep going on. This whole thing, artists, just Pop Smoke, Juice World, now King Vaughn. See, this is getting out of, this is not supposed to go this way. We lost three premier talents in a, in a two-year span. And if you throw Nipsey Hussle in there, like, this just makes it even worse. But this whole situation is, you know, I hope the younger generations can learn something from it. And if they ever get in a position where they're a public figure, rapper, podcaster, actor, whatever, gamer, whatever, and you come from harsh realities and it's hectic and you're used to that lifestyle, do not continue it. And I don't think Ron was continuing it that night that he died. He had already signed like three of his homeboys. And they got us like just for signing. They got 50K and he was co-signed and he was going, you know, doing some stuff with some record labels and all that. So it just ended badly on both sides. And I wish the stuff didn't have to go that way. But that's that. That's my whole take on this situation. This thing is far from over. I mean, Chicago, these guys have held beef with the GDs for how long? And you think that taking their young premier guys is going to sit easily with them? Oh, no. I might as well go ahead and start something. Go ahead and start covering this Baton Rouge, Chicago thing. Because, oh, my God, this is never going to end. Never going to end. And we haven't even heard from the official Grim Reaper. He has an LOL, nothing. If little if little Reese LOLs anybody from 4K Trade comment is post on academics if it's post on Shave Room or whatever, if little Reese comments LOL, this is this is not going to end well, bro. Like everybody knows what LOL means from little Reese, okay? That's just hell marking death, okay? So we haven't seen that yet, but once I see that, okay. It's, going ahead. It's, it's time to log out of Twitter. It's time to log out of Instagram. It's time to log out of Facebook. Because the Grim Reaper, he never miss. Because it, it, but when you messing with guys like that, they just tell you what it is. Bro. Like They just tell you what it is. And there's not no no cap or nothing. But like, so yeah. But yeah, that's how I feel about this whole King Von situation. Rest in peace. I love um, my favorite project is LeVon James. They uh, dropped in March of this year before Welcome to O-Block. But I think Welcome to O-Block is a good release. But I just need time to let it grow on me like LeVon James did. And I'll probably have that as my one of my favorite um, Chirac pro- projects in, recent, in the recent years. Because Polo G is making a lot of great music. So I think those two would have been the front runners of this whole thing. And they do have a song on um, Welcome to O-Block. So, yeah. But, yeah, we're going to switch this segment up. I'm going to go ahead and talk about this YG, My Life 400, and Welcome to O-Block and give my reviews on that. So let's go ahead and switch it up.